Let me see your Bibles. Did you bring your Bibles this morning? Come on. We're bringing Bibles to church. Amen. Why, do you, why, why are we so excited about the Bible? Because this is a living, breathing Word of God. But, but why do you put so much emphasis on a book? Because I'm not going to put emphasis on your phone. Amen. I'm going to put emphasis on the tangible Word of God because this thing doesn't change. It's never changed. It never will change. The only reason it's ever changed is because people misinterpret it or mispreach it. It got quiet in this church this morning. Amen. So we believe in the living Word of God. We are a Bible-believing, Bible-declaring, Bible-reading church. Amen. Someone said, Pastor, I got a problem. You getting your word? Nope. I know your problem is now. How many of y'all like word problems in, in, in school? Some of y'all did not like them at all. How many of y'all know that 90% of your problems in life are a word problem? That means there's a lack of the word in the middle of your problem. So I want you to make sure that you have your word. So get your Bibles. Go with me to the book of Acts. Put your finger in chapter 3. And while you're putting your finger in chapter 3, I'm going to recap where we have been for the last three weeks. For the last three weeks, we have been in a series titled, Where Has the Church Gone? I'm going to move this out of my way because I walk too much. Amen. Uh, we have been in a series called, Where Has the Church Gone? And the reason for this series was because I feel like that the church today is not what it used to be. The church in its condition today is something of a difference compared to what God laid out for us through his word in the book of Acts. And so we have been sitting in the book of Acts, chapter 1, chapter 2, and now we're going to roll into chapter 3. But let me recap real fast what we've gone over over the last three weeks. The first week we dealt with in the book of Acts, chapter 2, where it says, They gladly, gladly received the word of the Lord. Gladly received the word of the Lord. Gladly, gladly. Can I, can I just say this to you? I wish more church people, most believers, would learn how to put a smile on their face rather than look like every time I see them that somebody shot their dog. This is not an old yeller moment. This is a promise moment. Yeah. It's so bad. My life is so bad. It's so bad. It's so Man, I serve a God that overcame everything, overcame death, hell, and the grave. What's worse than death, hell, and the grave? But yet we run around going, uh, or we sit in church like this. How do you sing about the joy of the Lord when you're like this? Because, man, joy has not found you either that or it has walked right past you. There, 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 is, there is something about us receiving the word of the Lord and it bringing excitement. Why is it that we hold up our Bibles and we believe in our word? Because we're excited. We're ready to gladly receive the word of God. There is something that has to happen in the church again where we are excited about the word of God. We are excited to hear the word of God. We're excited to receive the word of God. We're excited to go and declare the word of God. And it says they gladly received the word. And then they were baptized. Hello. Hello. Somebody goes, I was baptized when I was little. No, you weren't. You were sprinkled. That's not baptism. Pastor, how can you say that? Because the word baptism means to be submerged underwater. That means we're going to wash it all away. Not just try to hope a drop gets it off. Some of us have been so deep in sin, you need more than a baptismal. You need a car wash. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. Amen. Sometimes you need to go back through the car wash the second time because your rims are still dirty. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because you know when you get your car washed, that's the last thing that gets clean. Because you're like, man, I paid. Okay, anyway, sidebar. So we need to be willing to be baptized. Why? Because not just because it's a testament of our faith, a declaration of our faith, but that the Bible declares that is where the old is washed away. How many of y'all get tired of the old? Some of y'all want the new. There's a thing called a baptism. It's still get water. If you feel the unction, jump in. No, please don't do that. Please, please. I'm just kidding. I can just see somebody fully clothed. Just run, dive in. Okay, praise the Lord. And then after you've been baptized, it creates an expectation. Expectation for what? The power. Oh, 
power of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the word that we don't talk about in the church anymore because it's taboo. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's that weird thing. That's that weird factor. Listen, let me help you with something. You're already weird. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. It is okay to be weird. I'm all good with being weird. People go, you're one of those. Yes, you're right. I am. And I am excited about it. I got a t-shirt. I wear it all the time. Yes, that is me. Why? Because I'm excited about it. I have an expectation. I know that God is always there. He is always with me. He is an ever-present help in the times of trouble. He is omnipresent. He is, man, he is my right hand and my left hand, Jack. I don't want to go anywhere without him. So I have this expectation that in week two, we said, what do we have to do? We need to continue steadfastly. That means faithful steadfastness, faithful consistency, faithful in our direction, not wavering. Let me say this to you. The church is too busy wavering. Can you really tell me what the church believes today? No, because we are all over the place. We we got factions here and factions there, thoughts here, runs there. We we don't even, oh, I go to this church. Why do you go to that church? Because they they think this way. Well, why do you go to that church? Because they think this way. How about we go to a church that actually thinks like the word? How about we go to a church that actually declares the word of God from front to top, front to back, not just the New Testament? Not throwing out the law and just holding on to grace. Because the church is real good at that today. We just want to feel good. We just want to feel good. Then go to the spa. Because I'm going to tell you something. In my walk with God, in my time with God, I have never felt like, oh, that. there are moments where God comforts me. But, man, God challenges me. God changes me. I want to be better because I'm with him, not just be the same because I'm walking with him. I want to be changed from the inside out. And when the word of God and when God comes in, when all those things start to be applied, I become different. I become a better father. I become a better husband. I become a better pastor. I become a better friend. I become better in all of my things, but I have to change. In other words, my flesh has to die. We've got to continue steadfastly. In other words, if I say it, then I have to walk it. I cannot waver anymore. I can't change doctrine to meet my thoughts. I can't change doctrine to adapt to my sin. Mm. It says they continued steadfastly in the word that was preached. In other words, we got to come into the church and stop being so judgmental of what's being preached from pulpits and come in with a receptive heart to hear that maybe, just maybe, the one who is standing up here to declare the word is actually sitting there studying and seeking the face of God so that he can bring a word that will bring change. Not a word that will make him feel better about standing under these hot lights, but actually bring a word that will cause you to be a better believer, have a more consistent walk, to finish this race with endurance, not just to get up and hope you make it till tomorrow. That we've got to come in and go, hey, look, I received somebody told me this week, this, this week, or just Saturday, said, hey, you're my pastor. Do you know what that does to me? Oh, that is so relieving to me because there were moments standing up here that I feel like I'm just a voice box. Oh, don't think I didn't say it. I said it because here's what happens. I say things and I say, okay, go do it. And then people come back the next week and go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what else you want me to give you. What, what, did you listen? I was here. But did you receive? See, there's a difference between hearing and receiving. Hearing just goes in. Receiving means application is needed. And we've got to get to a point where the word is not just heard, but it is received and applied to our existence. We stop ignoring it. It's like this. I've been putting in hammers in my walls with my hands for years. Then somebody gave me a hammer. My hands were bleeding. I came back to church the next week, and my hands are still bleeding. The pastor said, why are your hands still bleeding? Well, I keep putting in nails, but I gave you a hammer last week. What are you doing? Oh, that was that was for. I didn't know. My job as a pastor is to give you a tool belt every week. 
to add more tools to your tool belt so that you can effectively do, go, build whatever God asks you to do. But we've got to get to a point of not only continuing steadfastly, but applying, receiving and applying the word that is being preached from the pulpits. But let me say this to you. Please make sure that your pastor is following God. Mm, I said it. I don't need entourages. I don't need people carrying my Bible. I am more than capable. I don't need armor bearers. I don't need people to come wash my car. I don't need people to move my car from the back to the front. I don't need 10 people to follow me out of the sanctuary. I'm just doing my business and I'm going to go home. And I'm going to put gym shorts and a t-shirt on. I'm going to kick my feet up and I'm going to watch some television. And when God says go back, I'm going to do it again. But please make sure that the one that is speaking to you, the one that is leading you, the one that is declaring the word to you is following God. Because if he's not following God, you're going to get lost. Can I just say this a sidebar? Make sure that your friends and your family members are doing it too. Don't receive counsel from somebody that's got two feet in hell. That's a sidebar. Well, I went to somebody for counsel. Who'd you go to? Oh, I'm going to give you this one. I'll give you this one. My marriage is broken, Pastor. Well, who'd you go see? Well, I saw my friend. He's been married three times. He's been divorced three times. Say what? You didn't go seek somebody who's been married 60 years? Because trust me, that's the answer I want to talk to. Because I want to know what kind of, here it comes. I want to know what kind of hell they went through and how they came out of that. And I want to know how they walked through it and what they pursued in the middle of it. I, I, Pastor, I, I, I'm broke. I'm broke. I, I don't know what to do about my finances. I don't know how to get out of debt. Well, who would you talk to? The homeless guy on the corner? Did you just want an ear to hear? Or did you really want change? Because here's what the person who has money is going to tell you. You're spending too much. You're overcompensating. And here's the truth of the matter. You probably have some deficiencies in your heart that you're trying to fill with buying yourself stuff so you feel better about you. But I don't want to hear all that. Because if I hear all that, then now I'm, now I'm not good, and so i got to change me. Here's the truth of it. The Word of God should always bring change. I don't know about you, but God's Word offends me. Oh, y'all got what? The Word offends you? I don't like to be offended. Do you know what the word offended is translated in the Hebrew? Change. So now you're telling me, I don't want to be changed. Then you don't want to be offended. You know what the biggest offender in the Bible was? Jesus. He was the biggest offender. Yet we go, Jesus, I want you. Then you better be willing to be offended. He came to offend you. He came to offend every bit of your flesh so that your spirit man could live. Okay, so we, we got gladly receive the word, get baptized, expect the filling of the Holy Spirit, continue steadfastly as believers, walk in the word that's preached, stop judging the one that's preaching all the time. And then last week I dealt with the way that we will deal with loving one another, and that is the first one was fellowship, koinonia. That is the word that we are going to hold on to. That is intimate fellowship. That is not just a moment where we smile at people and go, hey, high five. Look, it's so good to see you and don't care what happens to you tomorrow. It is an intimacy of relationship that I care enough to know what's going on in your life. Here's the crazy part. We operate on that in this church because when you're missing, we make phone calls. And here's what I get all the time when we make phone calls. Well, Pastor, you, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I wasn't there. I'm sorry. All this guilt shows up. And it, that's not what this is about. This is about, hey. We missed you. We love you. We just want to make sure you're okay because we're family. And when you're missing, we're not whole. See, that's missing in fellowship today because what we've done now is we've done fellowship called the, 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 the right hand of fellowship. Like shake five hands. Okay, I did my part. I, we're in fellowship. That is not fellowship. 
That is formality of the church. Y'all understand that? Do you know why I tell you to greet 10 people on a Sunday morning? Not because I need you shaking hands and hugging folk. I tell you to greet 10 people so I can drink a glass of water and get my head thoughts back in order before I get ready to preach. I just completely exposed the pastor right there. Y'all think, oh, he wants me to love everybody. No, because here's the truth of it. If we were in fellowship, I would never have to ask that. We would have already done it. Because we desire to be with each other. We desire for that. No, I'm not missing my moment. I'm not waiting until after worship to tell 10 people, hi, I'm going to go to church early and greet my family. He said, continue in fellowship. Here's a good one called breaking of bread. Not communion. Get a meal together and talk. Here it comes. And listen. And listen. And listen. Somebody said to me years ago, uh, a pastor said this to me. He said, this is how I pray. For every minute that I pray, I take a minute to listen. So if I'm in an hour of prayer, I'll sit for an hour and listen. He said, the problem with us today is that we spend so much time telling God what we want, telling God what we need, but we will not sit long enough to listen to how we'll get to that place. Here's the other thing. We spend so much time talking about our opinions and our situations with other people that we won't listen to where they are. That maybe we're not the ones with the answers. Maybe they're the ones that have the answers and we need to listen. Maybe we need to break bread with each other more often. Brought me to that place where we're going to be, we're going to be launching a space here in the church. Instead of doing small groups like we've always done it, we're going to a thing called house to house. And a house to house is you gathering people together just to have fellowship. Invite them over, tell them to bring a dish. Amen. You might not like what they bring, but you're going to love them anyway. Don't invite my wife. She's going vegan. Don't do it. You're going to get vegetables. That's all you're getting. That's all you're getting. I can think of shit. The other day, I was, I, I got to share this real quick. So I've lost 12 pounds, and, and I'm excited. I praise the Lord. The fat boy's leaving. Amen. Praise God. And, um, and, and uh, my wife goes and goes, see, you're going vegan. I'm like, woman, I'm still eating turkey. I'm still eating chicken. And she goes, oh, no, you're going plant-based. I'm like, look, you need to keep praying because the Lord is not. Okay, anyway, I just had to get that off my chest because she's not here this morning because she'd have looked at me like, like this this morning, and I didn't want to hear it this morning. So we got to continue in fellowship, right? We got to love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Love. God, I got to keep saying it. Love one another. Well, I, but they don't look like me. I don't care. Love one another. They don't act like me. I don't care. Love one another. They don't listen to the same kind of music I listen to. I don't care. Love one another. Well, they're not as saved as me. You need to get your heart right with God. Because you can't love anybody talking to foolishness like that. You know, it's funny, what was, what was crazy. We, we, yesterday in prayer, uh, Caleb said something to me. He said, Pastor, I love you. And I said, yeah, I'm compelled to say it back. When was the last time you were compelled to truly love back? Not just say it because it was a moment. I understand this, that the moment you say it, if it's true love, there's action that follows it. Love without action is just an opinion. That's all it is. But when it is followed with action, we actually operate in the fullness of the love of God. Because God's love was followed with action. And so should ours. And then the last part of last week was pray for one another. Can, can I just say this? Anybody ever called and said, hey, pray for me? And then we do this. We go, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then we go about our business. We've made a, my wife and I have made a conscious decision that when people say pray, we pray. If somebody says call, if somebody calls and says, will you please pray for me? We don't go, yeah, we'll be, we'll be in prayer for you. I don't want to be in prayer for you. I want to pray for you right now. Why am I going to put you off? That's messed up. But you know what that is? That's saying because I really am not going to. I'm just going to tell you I am because it makes me feel good. It makes you feel better. 
when we got a faster friend who's been in the hospital, had a full-blown heart attack, and uh, he's in recovery now. He's slowly coming out, and, and, and we see it on Facebook, and we get a text message, and Tiff and I are sitting on the bed, and we could have just gone and said, okay, we'll pray for him this evening, but my wife and I reached over, grabbed hands, and just started bombarding heaven for his life. Why? Because we believe in the power of praying for one another. Stop putting people's promises and, and, and provision and blessings and breakthrough off when you can stand in the gap with them right now. Pray for one another. Man, pray for one another. But if you can't pray for one another, start praying, period. Because prayer life will actually birth the desire to pray for others. A lack of prayer life will not give you the desire to pray for people. So continue to pray for one another. So today, let's get to this last part. Let's get to the last part of this message. We've spent the last three weeks defining what the needs were for the church, what the church has to look like in this hour, what, what we have to get back to. I believe in the Acts model of the church, and I believe we have to get over our programs, over our pride, over our positions, over our titles, over our egos, over our churches, over our buildings, over our amount of seats, how many people we've packed in, how cool we are, how relevant we are, how many likes we got on social media. Don't even keep going. Because I could do this for about next hour. We got to get over all these things and get back to the model of the church so that the church can live and breathe the way it was supposed to. So today, I want to take a step forward. I want to take us from here's the mission and what we have to accomplish to what we can actually do and become as a church. This morning, I want to show you in demonstration in Acts chapter 3 how the church can affect the, the mood and the sentiment of what is happening in the world today. There is enough junk, but no one's bringing promises. We're just slapping band-aids, hoping it'll go away. So let's go to Acts chapter 3. You ready? Come on, I said you're ready. I know everybody's not here, but are you ready? Good. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Here it comes. It says, now Peter and John went up. Say what? What did they do? They went where? Y'all remember that song? You're my brother, you're my sister. Take me by the hand. Together we will walk. Okay. Here's the amazing part. We don't go to the house of God together anymore. What do you mean? Well, Pastor, we didn't, we, we didn't ride together. I'm not talking about riding in the same car, Jack. I'm talking about same heart, same spirit, going to the same house. Coming in one accord. Together. 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 Peter and John are in the Bible numerous occasions. You will see them together. Numerous occasions. They're like... They're like this. They're not like this. They're like this. They're, they're the boys. They're, that's my boy. They, they walk together. They talk together. They believe together. They encourage one another. They, they did all these. I mean, read your Bible. You will find Peter and John in so many different storylines together. Here's the problem I'm having in the church today. We do not hear that in the church in the people that are in the house of God today. I went to church. No, we went to church. Well, no, you went by yourself. No, but we went to church. Why? Because it is we that are the church. We went together. We worshiped together. We received the word together. We left together. We conquered the week together. We came back. See, there is a we that has to exist in the body of Christ again. Because if we would come together, we'd stop being separated in the world. We have got to come together. We got to get past the eyes. 
in that whole stupid statement, there's no I in team. It drives me nuts because everybody wants to say that when we start talking stuff, but we don't really change what we're doing. And so I don't even want the team. I just want a we. Because here's the thing. What, what, if, you don't, what if you underperform? Here's the problem. Uh, go play sports for a little bit. You know the ones that were third stringers? If you were a first stringer, you didn't care about the third stringer. You didn't care if they even showed up. Because it wasn't, it wasn't a, a reason for you to be worried because you were the first string. But what happens when you get injured, baby? You better pray that there's somebody to cover your spot. So they might not be at the same performance level you are, but they're still the we. You might not be standing up here, but you're just as valuable as I am. See, people think, oh, well, the pastor's in a certain position and he's higher than everybody else. No, I'm just standing two feet on a stage. That's it. I'm not higher than you. I'm not above you. I'm not better than you. I am a guy who lives my life daily, crucifies his flesh daily, slips. <sighs> no. Yes. I make mistakes. Isn't it great to know that when the scripture says all have fallen short of the glory of God, it also included the preacher? Thank God that I can make a mistake and then go to God and say, hey, God, I'm repenting. God, whatever that was, whatever caused me to do that, I'm asking you to forgive me. I don't want to ever go there again. But also understanding that his grace abounds where my sin wants to dwell. Isn't it amazing that we can have that access, that we can have that space with God? But yet in today's church, we do not receive repentance or people who choose to repent. We judge those that repent. Mm, okay. Improve it. Prove it. I'm prove it. Prove it. I'm a believer in altar calls. I believe that the altar had to be restored back into the church. I think we've become too complacent in our existence as church of hoarding people in and sending them back out without giving them a moment to receive Christ and allow their lives to be radically changed. So we don't, we got rid of the altar. We moved all the chairs up like a concert rather than create the space that God dwells and comes to wants to change the hearts of people. And so we put the altar back in the church. And then I go to give an altar call. And here's whether you realize it or not, let me help you with what I see. I know when my altar call, when God's given me an altar call, and I know those are being touched, but yet they are fighting with the decision to walk up here. And here's why. They are petrified of the judgment of the church. So they are in sin. They are struggling. Listen, you don't have to tell a sinner they're in sin. They already know it. They're not stupid. They sat here for an hour and a half. They've heard all the scriptures. They've heard all the worship. God's been touching their heart. And then I say, if you've got sin in your life, come to the altar. And they go, "Mm -mm, no, because here's what church people go. See, I told you they were a sinner. See, I told you. I told you. I told you. Look at them. Look at them. Look how jacked up they are. See, not me. I'm perfect. I've got it all together. Look, look at all those sinners up there. Sinner, 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 sinner. And God's standing in heaven going, sinner. Sinner. Because here's the problem in the church. We don't go together anymore. We separate ourselves. And we call ourselves believers. You know, I don't like the word Christian. Let me clarify that one more time for you. Christian, the word Christian was given to us as a separation, segregation word. It was to call us crazy people. The Romans were the ones that came up with this to say those, oh, those are weird people that follow Christ. I am not a Christian. My word refers to me as a believer. Here's why I call myself a believer. Because once you believe, you have to move. Christians can call themselves Christians. You know they say that 75% of the country is Christian? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wrong. Because you don't see it. Because there's no action following it. But those who believe will act. Those who believe will move forward. Those who believe will pursue. They might not do it perfectly all the time, but baby, they'll get up, dust themselves off, and keep marching forward. They won't quit. They won't fail. They keep pressing on until they finish the race. 
Now Peter and John went up together to what? The church. Mm. Help us, Lord. Help us, Jesus. We, 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 could you imagine if we actually went with a together spirit, a we spirit to the church? It says it was at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. They went with a purpose. We have got to start going to the house of God with a purpose. Not just to fulfill the time slot so that we hope that we enter into the gates of heaven. Not to just check off our boxes hoping that God will receive our penance of going to church. This is not penance, Jack. This is what we've been called to do. Forsake not the gathering of the brethren in one accord. Where? In the house of God. Why? Because when we come together, we get strengthened by each other. We grow together. We can lay down our burdens at the altar, and we can receive the God that has come to dwell on the inside of us, and we can link arm in arm and not have to do this thing by ourselves. We have got to come together. Then it goes on in, verse th- in chapter 3, verse 2. It says, and a certain man, here it comes. I got a lot to say about this part, but see, all the book of your seatbelts. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Here's what I want you to do. Everywhere there's the word alms, I want you to subvert that word or to change that word to the word change. He wanted change. He was looking for change. I've had a problem with these two verses of Scripture for the last 10 years. I have struggled with this section of Scripture, and here's why. This man has been carried to the gate of the temple. They say it was the east gate of the temple, but still it was the gate to the temple. I don't care which one of the nine gates it was. It was still a gate to the doggone church. Okay? He was carried to the gate by who? His friends. They took a man who was broken and kept sticking him outside of the church and leaving him there for 40 years. Punks. That is a bunch of friends you don't need. Because those friends didn't care about him changing. They only cared about what he could get and how it would suffice them. Because here's what I'm guaranteeing you. When he got his alms, he had to pay the ones that carried him. Because it was not friendship, it was a duty because they carried him there for 40 years. I've had a problem with this, with just dealing with the friendship of the broken person. Can I just say this to you as a sidebar? If we're going to march together and be greater than where we've been, we got to get rid of people from around us that enjoy our brokenness. I am not okay with you being broken. I am not okay with you being downtrodden. I'm not okay with you being miserable. I'm not okay with you being depressed. I'm not okay with you being in anxiety. I'm not okay with you being worried and confused and in doubt. I want change for you. And I will do whatever it takes until we get there. I said this last week. I'm not free till you're free. There is a problem when we exist. We go, well, I'm free. But if somebody that you say you love is not free, then you are bound because until they are free, you are not free. You cannot change them, but you can commit to seeing their freedom come to pass. I shared this story last week with a gentleman that was standing on the street. He asked for $35. He had a sign up that said, I need $35. God told me to give him $100. He said, God, I don't want to give him $100. God said, I don't care what you want. I told you to give him 100 
So I came over here to the ATM by the gas station, grabbed $100, went back over to him. And I walked up to him. I said, sir, come here. I parked my car underneath the bridge. I, I didn't know what was going to happen in the overpass. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't, really didn't care. I said, sir, come with me. He thought I was a police officer. I don't know why I was in gym shorts, T-shirt, and a ball cap. But he thought I was undercover. So he's like, yes, sir. I said, bro, you're good. You're good. I just didn't talk to you. I didn't want, I just wanted him off the corner. I brought him to my car, and I said, sir, I said, your sign says you're a veteran. Uh, I, I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I've seen these signs a lot. I know some people use and propagate the fact that they're veterans so that people will have sympathy. I said, but let me just be honest with you. I saw that you had a sign up for $35. I said, um, uh, but, but I need to give you something. And you could see his face. And, and he knew something different was coming. And, and I said, I, I want to pray with you. And, and the disappointment that hit his face was amazing because um, that's not what he was asking for. He was asking for money. And I said, but, but I need to pray for you. And, and he said, well, okay, you can pray for me. I said, but I need to know what I need to pray for. Can I just say this to you? Please stop praying rambled prayers because it sounds good at the moment. Find out what people's needs are and pray for that. I took time to find out what the man needed. Not what, what I just wanted to pray a Christian, a Jesus prayer to seem cute in the moment. I need to find out what your problems are. I need to find out what you're going through. I need to take time to invest in fellowship with you and to sit here for just a moment and shut up long enough, even though I'm a pastor, and listen to the blight that's on your life so that I might be able to bring something better than what you received because something, someone has ignored you enough for you to stand on the street corner and hold up a sign that says, I just need $35. How many people have driven by and ignored him? Shoot, who brought him to the corner? We got another lady that stands in our, in our town every week begging for money while her husband drops her off on the corner to beg. Ooh, I wish I could meet that man. You lack of a husband. Ooh, okay, sorry, I got a little angry there for a second. I had to get rid of that. <laughs> this man's still holding a sign, so I, I bring him over. So I said, I need your sign. He goes, but that's my sign. I said, I know, I need your sign. So I prayed with him, prayed with him, prayed for him, I prayed for his wife. He's bawling. He's bawling. So I said, okay. And he goes, thank you, sir. I said, oh, oh, oh I'm not done. I said, you received the best gift I could give you. I said, but here's the second part of what God told me to do. God's a God of more enough. He's an abundant God. I said, here. And I reached in my pocket and I handed him a $100 bill. And his eyeballs got this big. And I said, but here's my, here's my question for you. If I give you this $100, will you leave the corner? Because that's not the promise that God has for you. God created you for better than this. I'm giving you more than what you asked for because I desire for you to be free. Not just free in the things of God, but free from having to stand on the corner to beg for $35. $35 is nothing to God. Let me give you more. And he just looked at me. He goes, you'll never see me on the corner again. Today, something different's happening. This is what I'm talking about. We've got to get beyond seeing people. Stop looking at the signs where people are asking for stuff. We'll work for food. We'll do this. But start meeting the needs of the people. I've had a problem with this because his own friends dropped him off and left him there. Said, hey, man, we're going to drop you off at the church. You dumb but take him into the church. Why do you keep putting him outside the church? Now, I know there's theological thoughts of, or, 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 or statements that says that he wasn't allowed into the church because of his condition. But that is not the church we live in today. But yet we will go to the church and pass everyone that needs to go so that we can get our seat. What about a church that gives up their seat? Doesn't need a seat because it's more about others being changed than it is about me hoarding whatever's happening. This man is carried to the gate of the temple. To beg, to beg. 
to beg. He's there because he knows that the church has been has pulled together its resources. This is right after Acts 2, and it says the church brought their resources together to meet the needs. So people were being were showing up outside the gate, hoping that they could move on the emotion of the church to give something to them. But here's the thought that I've, I've, I've looked at. Theologians say that this man had been outside the gate for 40 years. 40 years. Could you imagine begging for 40 years? Could you imagine the audacity of your friends to take you outside of the church and watch you lay on the ground and beg for money for 40 years? He had stayed lame for 40 years because people more than likely kept giving him money. People kept giving him sympathy rather than change. This man was begging for alms. Alms is money. Money was given in the form of silver in coins. It was change. You know the stuff that we throw on the dresser and don't care about? You know the things that we try to get rid of because we don't like the weight of it? This man was saying, I just needed some change. I needed some change. And church folk kept giving him change. Because this feels better than this. It feels better to empty my pocket than it is to bring lifelong change. And I'm going to say this, and this is not for everybody, but I need to say this. The reason that we are not good as a church at giving out True change is because we haven't allowed true change. It is hard to give away something that we are not living in. Watch this. Caleb told me yesterday, Pastor, I love you. Watch this. If I don't know what love is, I cannot love him back. If I try to, it is broken love. The one thing I've learned as a husband is it is better for me to understand how much God loves me before I try to love her. Because if I know how God loves me, I treat her like he would treat her rather than how I would treat her. I've told you the story. My wife hates it when I tell the story, but I'll tell you the story. Tim and I were married first year and a half of marriage. We got into our first big, testy, rah. And we both had really big opinions in that moment. So she said what she said, and I came back with a vengeance. <gasps> Pastor, you did not. Yes, I did. I made a mistake. And I, I said, everything I need, blah, 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 blah. And I stormed out of the room. I went to the guest bedroom, had a TV in there, had its own bed. So I'm sleeping in here, and I don't care. I got up on that bed. I laid there five minutes. God says, do you feel better yet? Yeah, I feel better. Brian, get up. Because that's the last time you're going to talk to my girl like that. Walked into the room. She was in tears on the bed. I got on my knees. I inched myself because I won't get hit. <laughs> I did. I'm married to a Polak Italian. She's feisty, bro. She put you in ice or bury you in the ocean. I don't know what's going to happen, but amen. If I go missing, y'all pray. Um, but I, I got on my knees and I asked the best, can we talk? She goes, no, I can't talk right now. I had to leave the room that night. Now, we didn't go to bed angry with each other. We talked later, but I had to leave the room. And God says, Brian, I didn't create you to destroy what I handed you. And I went, okay, all right. Understanding that I grew up in a home where my father mistreated my mother. And he said, how dare you repeat 
what I delivered you from. Fix it. Here's the truth of it. The more that I am willing to allow God into that space in me, the more that change comes in me. If I've learned anything in my life, that when there is struggle, pray for me. I pray for me first. God, change me. Fix me. I'm broken. You, what do we do? It's not my fault. It's their fault. How dare them? Okay, let me give you another one. Shared this story yesterday. I was at, I was at the store yesterday, or two days ago, at, at Home Depot. Y'all know the civil unrest that's going on in the community, and you know there's struggle, and I'm not, I'm not going to get into all that today, but, but I was at the Home Depot, and, and I walked up, and there was, there was um, a group of four black individuals, and I walked up, and, and, I, and I said, can, can I check out? And there was, there was a frustration face, and before you get, oh, I got to stop right there. Stop. I didn't want to go here, but I got to. Yeah, see, it's stop. Don't do that. Yeah, see that? Stop. Don't do that. I said, hey, can I get checked out? And you could tell they were frustrated. And immediately because of the color of my skin, I wanted to try to take it personal for a moment. Oh, well, here it comes. More problem. Here's more problem. More problem. And so I went to the register, and I, I had to overcome my own personal fights come on work with me for a second and i had to look at her and i said man and i was overnice and i was and i was i was i was loving and i was respectful and i was and i just and i'm standing there and i said ma'am you have a great day and she said you have a good day too and, and it was, you could tell there was tension and and god walked away and and i just said you know what god touch her whoever hurt her god whatever it is it's not my fault god but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna walk away with pain in this moment i god you can help me to be the change in this moment you can help me to have the words to say in this moment they might not know what to say in this moment but let's reverse the same script it happens on both sides of the fence so please do not get in this place and say well it's them against us no it's us against us because we not we don't do we anymore we do me so i walked out praying for that young lady God, whatever's hurting in her, God, let me be the change. Let me love her enough so that she doesn't have to hurt any longer. Because I'm not free till she's free. 40 years. All this man wanted was to be healed. But yet the church kept pacifying him off. Now, my place, I'm just going to go to church. But it is goes on in verse 4 he says this he says and fixing his eyes on him with John Peter well I'm sorry fixing his eyes on him with John Peter said look at us so he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them look at us this is the statement he says look at us you go what, what was what was he telling him to look at Peter Peter had nothing in him his eyeballs did not have healing power he said look at us you want to know why he said look at us because he needed the man to get his eyes off of his own conditions can I help you with something? With the man that I pulled off the corner the other day, I had to get him off the corner. I didn't meet him on the corner. Why do we keep meeting people in their pain? Get them out of their pain. Get them to a place where they can't see the struggle anymore and then give them the promise. But you're going to have to escort them away from it. You're going to have to go physically move people away from their pain. Yeah. Well, they chose it. It's not my job to do that. Man, I'm so glad God met you. He said, look at us. Not that they were the answer, but in an effort to get the man to stop looking at his condition. We are cultured to be identified by our problems and not the promise that Christ can bring us. Come on, work with me. How many of y'all got a condition in the room? My back hurting. My body's hurting. I'm sick. I'm brokenhearted. I'm depressed. I have anxiety. My parents did this to me. 
I had a bad childhood. I've been abused. Come on, work with me. We use these. Not that we can't use them to bring freedom to others, but they are not meant. Once we've come under the freedom of Christ, it is not meant as a badge of honor to give you identity to the world. I was abused as a kid. I went to jail four times. I lied and cheated my entire young adult life. I screwed up more relationships than I care to admit to. I did a lot of stupid things, but I cannot look back and go, it's because my real dad left me and because my stepdad abused me and it's all their fault. No, I made those choices. But I'm not going to be identified by who couldn't love me or who didn't know how to love me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk under the love of God. And I'm going to identify myself to the love of God. And I'm going to walk in the purpose of God. And when people go, but what about that? What about that? Do you understand that when I came under him, I got free from that. I'm not bound to that foolishness. Oh, pastor, you've been through so much. Man, praise God. It was kind of fun. Not that I want to do it twice. But it was good. Pastor, I can't believe you went to jail four times. It just took me four times to stop being stupid. For God, for me to finally go, yes, God, I'm listening. You got my attention now. But people, people all the time will say, oh, but this, oh, but that, stop. I am not identified by those things. I had to go to the hospital a couple weeks ago, and the doctor said, do you have heart disease? According to paper, I got some. According to paper, I got heart disease. According to the promises of God, I'm healed. So which one are you going to grab a hold of? Which one are you going to cling to? Which one are you going to grab a hold of in this hour? Are you healed or are you still in pain? Because here's the thing. If you put your life in the word, you're healed. If you put your life in the world, you're broken. I am not broken. I have every right to be broken, but I am not identified by being broken. We are cultured to be identified by our problems, not the promise that Christ can bring us. There is a problem in the world where we are so fixated on problems that we no longer see people anymore. Mm. 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 Take it right now. Just take the moment we're in right now. We see problem more than we see people. And God goes, can you please see my kids? Can you please look with the eyes of me, not with the eyes of you? Can you please love them the way I want them to be loved, not the way you want to love them? There is a problem when we are so fixated on problems. In fact, we identify with whether it's valid for us to go into the room based on the problems that are in the room. Mm, I'm going to stay away from that. That's, that's for somebody else. I'm not going to, no. No, that's too much for me. Because we let the problem dictate rather than the promise that lives on the inside of us. We must stop trying to fix conditions and start bringing life to people. I said this yesterday. There's nothing that can be said. I believe nothing that can truly be said that will change history. But there are actions that can create a new one. Did you catch what I just said? There is nothing that can be said that can change history. But there are actions that can be taken now to create a new one. Stop trying to fix the old one and just create a new one that we don't have to keep revisiting to get our point across, but we can create a new level of love and respect and understanding and protection and freedom that we all are created equal, that the truth of what they said our country was founded on is something we actually believe and live on a daily basis. 
that we should desire this for one another. Goes on in verse 6, he says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. The only answer that you have as a believer in this hour is Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? I need you all to get this through your, through your heads. The only answer you have right now in this hour is Jesus. Now, I didn't say, I'm going to pray for you. I mean, the answer is Jesus. And if you claim your freedom in Jesus, baby, you better make sure everybody else get that same doggone freedom. And you better bring it to them. And you better bring the love that is required in that moment to bring that freedom. And this is how we should be operating for the rest of our lives. Because this is, the, this is what God's called us to do. Put your opinions and your wants in the box and throw it down the river. Stop holding on to what you think. God doesn't even care what you think. He cares what he wrote. Live this. Not what you want, but what he declares and what he's wanted for his people from all along. Stop living in your opinions and your wants. He said temporal things will not fix this moment. Money is not the solution. Peter and John are going, time out. I could pay you off, but it won't fix you. I could put money in your pocket, but it won't change you. You've been getting that for 40 years, and you're still here. 40 years, and you're still sitting in this moment. Nothing's changed. We must stop trying to pay for deliverance and pacify people off with meaningless moments. Don't tell me if I'm broken to come to church. Stop it. Pray for me now. If you see that I'm alone, don't tell me to go back home by myself. Don't tell me you hope I come to church on Sunday. Spend 10 minutes and talk to me now. Love me now. Pray for me now. Be with me now. Stop waiting so you hope I come back. That's the problem. We're hoping. We're hoping that one day we're going, God, use us. Use us. He is right in that moment, but you got to be used. you got to step up. We must stop trying to pay for deliverance and pacify people off with meaningless moments. We must bring the only alms, the only change that will work, and we must give them Jesus. Do you understand that as a believer, you have authority? And if you don't know this, let me give you the scripture to help you understand this. Because in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 18, it says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Y'all are too doggone quiet this morning. He is what? He has what? Anointed me. In other words, he's given you power. He's given you the ability, the tools to do. Here it comes. Preach the gospel to the poor. Now, why didn't he say give money to the poor? Because giving money doesn't fix it. Give them the gospel, they stop living poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are what? Seriously. Can I read it one more time just so we can get it through our heads? Here's what the authority, the anointing gives us as believers in this hour. To preach the gospel to the poor. 
to send, to, to bring healing to the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to those who are bound, to bring recovery to the sight of the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Are there anyone oppressed among you? Are you okay with them being oppressed? Because I'm not. Is anyone blind among you? Are you okay with them being blind? How accepted have we become of problems? So-and-so's got cancer. I hope they make it. So-and-so's marriage is failing. I hope they make it. At least it's not mine. Seriously? That, that, we got to start seeing each other. We got to start loving each other. We got to start encouraging one another. This is not the promise of God for you. This is not what God wanted when he put this thing together. The Bible says, God says, what God brings together, no man can tear apart. Stop! And if there's broken heartedness, let's get it mended. But you're going to have to get in it. Peter and John are in this moment, and this man is lame. He knows he's lame. I've thought about this. You know, Peter and John, Jesus ascended to the heavens, and Peter and John are in this moment. Peter says, Peter and John went to the church. How many times have they gone to that church? How many times did Peter and John pass that lame beggar? But you realize that this moment comes after the Holy Spirit fell. And the Bible says they were given power. They were given the anointing to do. They were empowered to move in the moment. So they walked back in with a different set of eyes. They didn't walk back in as churchgoers. They walked in as believers who had authority and power and anointing and said, hold up. Jesus said, greater shall I do than he did. Let's test this sucker out. Let's give this thing a test room. And so they walked into the moment, and instead of waiting to get into the church to play church member, they started the church outside of the building. They brought the church to the city rather than waiting for the city to come in the church. So they saw the man sitting there, and they stopped. How many times have we just walked by because we have our own missions and our own agendas? They stopped. They saw the pain. They saw the problem. Silver and gold have I not, but what I do have in the name of Jesus, rise and walk, lifted him up by his right hand. And by the time he got to his feet, his ankles and his bones. Could you imagine? Come on, work with me for a second. No, Pastor, that was in times of old. Then take out the part that says greater things shall you do than he did and throw it out your Bible. Because I believe that the same God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. And if he told the disciples that they could do it, the apostles that they could do it, and we are under, under that covering of those apostles that we can now lay hands on the sick and see them recover in Jesus' name. We've been given that same authority. That John 4.18 was not just for the disciples. That was for us, for those who choose to believe, so that when I walk into a moment, I can lay hand on the sick and see them recover. Yeah, baby, but you better believe. But we won't give that away anymore. Because we just want to do our thing. God says, in this hour, it's, all, it's not about you doing your thing. We've done that long enough. It's our thing. It's our thing. It goes on in, in verse 8. and Pastor Ben, you can come on. It says, so he leaping up, leaping up, I like that part, he leaped up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And then they knew, then they knew at that moment, it was he who sat begging for change at the beautiful gate of the temple. 
And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The ones that were sitting in the church saw the power of God. That's the condition of the church. Is that we are sitting in our churches. Not experiencing the power and the presence of God. Because we're waiting for it to come in. Rather than doing it on the outside. It says that they were in wonder and amazement. Well, they were in the temple. Why were they in the temple? They obviously believed in God. They obviously knew that Jesus was the Messiah. They, they know that he died, and three days later he rose from the dead. It wasn't, it wasn't a miracle. It wasn't a mystery to them. It says, but then this man comes running in, leaping, and they realized who he was, and they were like, wow. That's really cool stuff. They were in amazement at what had happened to him. I'm tired of us coming to church in amazement of God pouring out his spirit. Like, wow, I didn't know he could do that. Rather than, you know what? I know that God's going to pour out his spirit. Come on, let's go. Let's go home together. Let's go to the house together. Let's go together. I want, I want to say something as I close the series, as I wrap up this today. Over these last few weeks, it's created a lot of conversation in my household, with my kids. Not the series, but just the things of events of the times. And somebody says, well, pastor, quit bringing it up. Quit talking about it. I will lose everything in order to gain the kingdom. I told somebody yesterday when I was going through all this and getting ready for all this, God says, I need you to be willing to lose the church in order to build the church. Because it's amazing to me how people go, we, we, we just, I have my opinions. Let me, let me, I'm going to say this to you, and you can get offended all you want. If your opinions don't line up with this, shut up. Shut your mouth until God can heal it. Because I am tired of opinions in the church. Pastor, I didn't come to hear all this. I came to hear a word. That is the word. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, not their sight, in your sight. What do you think God's saying in this moment? We. Not blacks and whites, not Hispanics, not Asians. We. 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 The two references references in the Bible that talk more than once are Jew and Gentile. Saved, unsaved. Those were the two classifications that the word of God lives by. Jew, Gentile. Yes, there were Greek and Hebrew, but Jew and Gentile is mentioned so many times in the word because that was the only separation because one was going to heaven and one was going to hell. But yet now we live in a culture and a society 
well, I'm white, you're black, you're Asian, you're Hispanic, you're Brazilian, you're Puerto Rican, you're Cuban. Like, we've diversified. I, I jokingly told Pastor Dylan the other day because he had Michaela and Rodney come over to the house. And I said, listen, I lived in Tampa for a long time. And you did not interfere the words Cuban and Puerto Rican in the same sentence. She's shaking her head. I know that. And I jokingly told him, I said, I dare you to call her Cuban. Just wanted to see how feisty she would get, knowing that she would understand it in love. But now we've created a culture like that. Does it not exist? You've seen it. We, we've all seen it. it. It exists. And yet, yet okay, in, in Louisiana, light-skinned, dark-skinned, African-Americans can't even get alone because if you're dark-skinned, you're, you're, you're dumb and ignorant. And if you're light-skinned, you're closer to white, so therefore you're more educated. And so now there's a separation there. And I'm going, God, what, what are we doing to each other? There's no such thing as trailer trash. There are people who are going through hardships, and you should have a desire to love them through it. My heart, this has been my prayer for like the last three weeks. Break my heart for what breaks yours, God. And here's what I keep hearing. It's not what we're doing, it's what we're saying. God says it's the words of people that's killing my heart. Because their words are what separate them. It's not even their actions anymore. It's what we've labeled each other. You're worthy, you're unworthy. You're a failure. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a household where my dad used words. There was a word my dad used to tell me as I was a kid, and, and I'm not mad. And I need you to understand this. When I tell these stories, it's not because I'm upset with him. I'm forgiven. I'm good. But when I was making bad grades in school and I was making mistakes and my dad thought words were the way to get my attention, he made this statement to me on a consistent basis. You'll never be more than a ditch digger. And you'll be lucky if, you'll, if McDonald's will hire you. From the age of seven, growing all the way to the age of 18, I heard that on more than one occasion. And I found myself trying to prove to the world that I was more than a ditch digger. But I had a ditch digger heart. Because I chose to believe what someone else said about me rather than the promise that God gave me. And all I needed somebody to do was tell me I was more than that. So in this moment, I, I, I want to say this because, because it has to be said. With a person like, like and I hate, Caleb, I hate to keep coming back to you, bro, but I got to do it. You're not a black man. You're my brother. You're an educated, wise beyond your ears, going to be an amazing dad, an amazing husband. You're already an amazing husband. Not going to be. Your wife might get mad at me if she thinks that's what I'm trying to say. She might be like, she's still got more to do. Amen. There is nothing you can't accomplish. There is nothing you can't achieve. And I will spend the rest of my life walking with you, watching and celebrating every achievement and walking with you through every struggle because I love you that much and that should be my desire for you. And before you think, well, he's just doing that because this is a church moment. No, dadgummit. That's the way God sees you and that's the way I choose to see you. And if we get better at communicating these things to each other, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, I don't care. There are no chinks. No spicks. Do I dare? No N-words? No abbreviations? No adaptations? No! 
children of God. I might get mad at my brother and sister, but there's nothing I wouldn't do for them. I might not always agree with them, but I'll always be there for them. If I get a phone call tomorrow from one of my siblings, I'm in a bad way. You best believe I'm on a plane or going wherever I need to be to be there. Why? Because they're family. Could we do that for each other? Can we tell each other what we mean to each other? I did it for one just for a moment. But, but, but could I go as far as to, to, to go beyond this moment? Could I, could I do so much as to speak beyond just this face and take it beyond a color of skin because of the moment of civil unrest and, and really just say, could we just treat everybody like this? Can we speak words of edification and encouragement and strength to one another? When I said that Caleb's not a black man, I'm not identifying his skin color. I'm identifying the character of his heart. And that's what I love more than anything in this world. It just happens to be that he got a little closer to the sun than me. And I have go red. That's just all I do. That at some point, we got to get beyond this. My wife and I touched, she's like, babe, I said, look, until I can see eyes that are not afraid, I'm going to ride this ride. I'm going to ride this ride. You don't have to like me for it. You can go to another church that's just acceptable at the moment. I'm not. God gave us a voice to bring change. But the only change that a walk with God can give. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. So I better bring Jesus before I bring Brian. Because I can't set anybody free. But my God can. And that's the freedom I carry. We all have our bondages. We all have our pains. The miracle. And everybody said amen. amen. Anybody who's watched online literally just prayed in the spirit right there. No, we get interference from the truck stop back here. Every once in a while, they'll throw us a signal and it'll throw everything into chaos. Hallelujah. Gotta get my heart back in the rhythm. Amen. <laughs> Woo! That jumped right out my chest, bro. Can't wait to go back and watch that video. Like, Woo. Do me a favor. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Might as well at this point, right? I ain't got nothing else to do now. Uh, that was the voice of God thundering from heaven, just so you know. Amen, God. We got it. We got it, God. We got it. We're good. We're good. We got it. I have to ask you, it's not because I need your affection in this moment or because I need your respect in this moment, but do you receive what I just said? 
And I want to say this to you. If you're battling with what I just said, I'm going to ask you to go pray. Don't make a knee-jerk reaction. Well, I don't know why he keeps bringing this up. There are things I agree with and things I don't agree with. There are sides I stand with and things I don't stand with. But the one thing I will always stand on is that the love of God is what is needed in this hour more than anything. And I'm going to love with that before all else. And if that changes how we see things or how we move in things, then I'm doing my job and the assignment that God's given me. It's uncomfortable. Somebody said last week when I did, when I brought everybody up here who were Caucasian to the altar and I left all those that were color in their seats, they said, man, it just felt so weird. Good. That was my whole mission. Because I want to break the weirdness down. Because I need you to know that if I go to the altar by myself, I'm alone. I need you to go with me. I don't want to finish this race. free until we're free and I won't rest until we rest I will no longer ignore or not be vocal I will stand for the Lord I'll stand for his word and I will bring that promise everyone I come in contact with so that when I finish my race not just well done thou good and faithful servant but so that I might sit in heaven and watch those come in knowing that I finished the mission on my life to make sure that no one is left Jesus came so that no one would be left behind. Keep that in your heart. If you see pain, bring healing. Bring love. Don't be weird about it. Can I, can I just say this to you? Oh, I'm going to have so many letters after this Sunday. Don't run up to somebody of color and hug them because it's the moment. Oh, bro, I love you. Oh, I this or that. And I'm talking about every color. I'm not talking about every color. Don't do it. Do it because you mean it, because you have a heart for it. Invite them to lunch because you really care what they have to say. Why do I keep talking about it? Because talking about it one Sunday was ritual. Talking about it two Sundays was because it didn't go away talking about it for four Sundays it's because I'm committed not to everything else committed to this word and the promise it brings for all this this is my constitution 
this is the word I build my house on. This is the word I build my relationships on. This is my law. And this I will follow till I breathe my last. But I guarantee to you, it'll never be said of Brian that he sat idly by and watched. But that he loved, and strengthened, and encouraged people in the things of God. So that they could be filled. Grab the hand of neighbor standing next to you. pray for everyone standing in this place right now. Father, I ask for your freedom to cover them like a wave from the ocean. Father, for years of pain or hurt in any generation, creed, or color, Father, I pray that today we would stop being identified by the pains of our past or our presence and start being identified by the promise that we have in you. God, since the beginning of time, there have always been people that hurt other people. But Father, let us not constitute their pain to become our pain. Let us not adapt our lives to believe that because people hurt us that God, you are a God of pain. Father, I watched the CNN anchor the other night say that we do not need help from up above. God, I pray for that. God, I pray for Chris Cuomo right now. And wherever he's hurting, God, heal him. I'm not asking you to come by fire by day and and burn up his house. God, I'm asking for the love of God to saturate every fiber of his home and let him feel the embrace and the love that will only bring the change that he needs in this moment. God, I am praying for his freedom. Not rejection, not abandonment, not, well, that's his choice, and I don't care. No, God, I care. Take away his pain. Heal him today. God, let us become the church that brings lasting change. No more throwing coins at it. No more throwing moments at it. Let us bring your change. Now, Father, if there's anybody in this house today that does not know you, has not received you, that needs your touch, needs to receive you as their Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask in this moment, if that's you, and you're holding on to a hand, I just want you to lift your hand. Hold on to that hand while you're doing it. But lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus this morning. Is there anybody in the room? If that hand was lifted, I want you to look at that neighbor and say, I got you. I got you. You are not alone. Somebody lifted their hand next to you. Will you just pray for them right where they stand? 
Father, I pray for them and I ask God that your love and your peace and your joy would overcome them. I thank you right now, Father, that you're touching their hearts and you're making every crooked path straight and you're restoring their souls. I ask for the peace that passes all understanding to guard and keep them. Pray to, I pray right now a lasting change, not a momentary one, a lasting one. Father, I thank you for this family. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the amazing things we have ahead of us. I thank you that we'll do it as a we, not an I, not a me, as a we. That we'll come to the house of God together. We'll not leave each other at the, at the gate begging. We'll not pacify each other off, but we'll stand with one another. Pray for one another, encourage one another, strengthen one another. And we'll go into the house of God together celebrating and rejoicing and leaping because healing and deliverance and freedom is ours. Father, unite us together. Bind us together. We want to be a Peter and John church. One that's united as one. Take us from this place today. God, give us traveling mercies as we go home. We give you praise for it now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.